0: Welcome to episode 33 of the Media Sport podcast series. I'm presently sitting in the School of Communication of the Complutense University of Madrid in Spain, being fortunate enough to attend the 2019 conference of the International Association for Media and Communication Research. I'm joined by Jose Luis Rojas Torrijos, a professor of journalism at the University of Seville in southern Spain. Jose is a leading figure in the study of Sport, Media and Journalism in Spain and a Professor of Masters in Innovation in Journalism at the Miguel Hernandez University in Elche. Yes. And a Professor of Communication and Sports Information at the Pontifical University of Salamanca. He's the author of several books, including Quality Sports Journalism, Information and in Sports, and Loud and Clear, a Pronunciation Guide for Major Coverage, for coverage of major international sports events. And I will just add a side note there for listeners that all of this has been done with the, the very limited capacity of Google Translate mm-hmm. in terms of titles. Um, his many Spanish and increasingly English language journal articles and book chapters examine topics such as data journalism, social networking with a particular focus on Instagram, media accountability and the role of local press in building community. He also combines his teaching and research work with professional practice and currently works as a quality advisor and journalistic innovation expert for the Unidut editorial group. Now, Jose speaks both Spanish and English, as well as French. And as it turns out, I only speak Australian. So um, we will do our best. And it's an absolute pleasure to have you, Jose. Thanks for giving me your time.
1: Thank you very much for the invitation. uh,
0: Look, I'd just like to, for listeners who either may have been tourists in Spain, but haven't lived in Spain, could you just give us a, a sort of an explanation of the sporting landscape? Of Spain, the sorts of, we know of course football, but the sorts of sports that are played, the sorts of sports that are popular, and the way that connects with the sort of work that you do in universities.
1: Yes, well, the Spanish uh, sports media landscape uh, has uh, got its own peculiarities, derived uh, mainly from the fact, as you have uh, mentioned now, of footballisation, we say is football and the rest of things, of course, but also not only uh, because the um, uh, news uh, agenda is only focused on one sport, but um, especially because it's focused on two teams, Real Madrid and Barcelona. So, and even within those teams, some players, the most famous players uh, who are Occupying most time on most pages in uh, information in sports uh, newspapers or in sports programs on TV, so that's why this uh, polarization, not only of football but of those teams, um, are make the rest of the things very very dependent on the few minutes left to con- to tell something about other sports, and that's why I'm I'm trying to change things with some other colleagues in this country and we try, I think that we are improving and we are uh, little by little uh, well, uh, reaching results, so I'm happy with this.
0: What does the study or scholarship on sport and media look like in Spain? Is it, is it a big community or what are the main focus points of it?
1: Well, to be honest, we are uh, just a few scholars. And dedicated to this sort of research on this topic, on this field. Uh, Xavier Ramon from the University of Pompeo Fara in Barcelona. This is one of the most outstanding ones. Um, but, and some dis- dispersed uh, people all over the, the country. But the problem we have is that the academy in Spain haven't um, considered... Properly, this field uh, since I don't, know, from, uh, I don't know so many times, so much time. So uh, now we, we find so many possibilities to grow, grow, and grow. When we go to this sort of conference, and we let people know that we're doing something different mm-hmm. from this specific topic or this specific side, we can show that uh, sports journalism is not uh, as it was considered some years ago a uh, uh, subfield but important field because it's very very um, important in terms of circulation audience and even business now in the industry um, so from now on we hopefully find more support uh, among our uh, academic structure to keep doing things and improving in this sort of research
0: and giving the it's relatively small, do you then, is there many connections with other Spang- Spanish-speaking countries? Yes,
1: are? we're trying, but we don't, we, what we really need is to work together, more often. Um, and these days at the conference in Madrid, we have been uh, talking to one another about the possibility of creating a network, uh, integrating this Latin American, Latin American and Spanish language community of researchers, uh, who are working on sports, and sports media, or sports communication. Uh, I think this is, this is necessary because we, we work together, we could do much more. It mm-hmm. uh, would be helpful for all of us. And, and we try to uh, probably organize some events to meet together again, and uh, try to, well, I don't know, push another projects, uh, international projects. Uh, we will, What we feel from these um, uh, um, offerings is that um, sometimes sports media research are being done mostly, obviously, from the Anglo-Saxon countries, mm-hmm. but sometimes we feel that they forget or they don't uh, look at what we're doing um, enough. Sometimes, but not, I mean, because I, I think we are trying to, put in the map that Spain and some Latin American countries are doing in on sports as well. And it could be an interesting view uh, to be incorporated in some books published in Anglo-Saxon countries or any articles. Um, I think some scholars from Britain, Australia, uh, Thomas Kork- Horky from Germany, has been very, very interested in what we're doing now, and we can do um, interestingly more interesting things from now on. I think.
0: Given the dominance of English language, is of course I've benefited from by simply by virtue of where I was born. I mean, yes, know, it was, it's not a great achievement simply to be born, but you know. But what are the challenges and benefits in your mind of writing and researching in Spanish? I know you also publish in English, but yes. You know, that, I suppose, you know, when you reflect on, you know, the things that offers you being able to work in Spanish as well as perhaps the challenges presents, what's that like in terms of a research process in deciding? Yeah, it's
1: expensive. It's very expensive in Spain to try to work in another language. Mm. Because even if you can write or can speak, or write in this case, uh, for a journal or for a book, chapter book, book chapter, any, any piece of work you need to be to be translated afterwards. I mean, your test in English must be revised by a native speaker or a native uh, person, no? British or American. So that makes uh, everything more expensive, obviously, and slower, it's more slow, sorry, Uh, um, and well, we try to cope with this difficulty and even so, we feel that it's necessary to be in the map and to be um, sometimes, I don't know, renowned or or considered by other colleagues from other countries. But it's expensive, I mean, to work with this, even the the structure of the journals in Spanish, they um, ask you to publish in English always, always, most of them. So you need to work two articles instead of one, one in Spanish and one in English, to be considered and to have the chance of being published with them. So it's, uh, that's how, how it works. It's not easy, but we're becoming uh, used to it. What was interesting at this conference? You were part of a, a panel on journalism and ethics,
0: and ethics. Yes. And it was a really high quality session, and it, it featured um, Thomas Hockey from Germany, you've already mentioned, and mm-hmm. David Rowe and Peter English from Australia. And your mm-hmm. paper was with Xavier mm-hmm. uh, Ramon, who's, um, and it was actually on ESPN, the US sports yep. giant, yes. talking about the role of the ombudsman. So. Um, What's the significance of the Ombudsman? How did you come to that topic and how did you connect it back to the sorts of things you're doing
1: here? Yes. Well, uh, this is a piece of work, uh, a part of uh, research uh, we did with uh, Andrew Billings um, last year. It's going to be published now in a a book chapter by Peter Lang, hopefully this year, maybe the beginning of the next one. And it's a part of um, a project Xavier and I have on accountability in sports journalism. We have a web page called Accountable Sports Journalism. We launched it some a couple of years ago, and we did a mapping on accountability instruments in sports journalism all over the world. We, I think, online resources we found, and we published it on this platform, like uh, such as Stylebooks, ethical codes on uh, sports, from different, uh, I mean, not only media, but uh, also um, federation and associations of, professional associations all over the world. We put it all together. And from then we started to um, uh, do some more further research on specific topics. And one of them was the Ombudsman. is another uh, accountability instrument Used, unfortunately, but uh, well, fewer and fewer uh, media outlets in the Anglo-Saxon world nowadays. And ESPN, at that time, before they, des- they decided to eliminate uh, eliminate the post, was still there. So w- we decided to do some research on ESPN ombudsman or public editor, depending on uh, how you call it, how you call the figure. And uh, it was a very interesting. Um, research, we analyzed first the content of their columns, the uh, five different public editors that uh, worked for this TV channel, TV network. After that, we spoke to Andrew Billings because Xavier was in the IACS conference in Portland two years ago. He met Andrew Billings and uh, he offered us to collaborate In a book chapter and in this second uh, part of the research uh, interviewing some of the uh, these public editors the three last ones so that's why we came to this point and well um, from now on we carry on uh, on different uh, research uh, projects related to this topic
0: it's interesting because it speaks to a sort of incre- with the increasing movement of sport into the entertainment industries, the conflicts of interest that inevitably arise when sports organisations are own coverage rights, but are also functioning as news organisations. That's a very broad tension going on across a lot of different countries. Is it something also happening in Spain, where the the blurring of those lines is going on?
1: They are very blurred lines. In the middle, and not not sure about um, from from where uh, one starts and the other ends, honestly. But the problem is that the the, mo- the money uh, rules obviously, and there are companies, and they try to do their best in, in that sense. When I was an um, uh, an advisor for Marca, I'm a journalist. For journalist, I. I used to work for different media outlets for 15 years. After that, it was nearly another, another almost 10 other years, working as a press officer for the Sports Regional Ministry in southern Spain, Andalucía. And after that, I came, well, uh, I was hired by Marca, which is this most important Spanish daily newspaper, to be an advisor. They considered, I don't know why, they they found me in, on my blog, my scholar site, where I publish from time to time some uh, uh, works and posts on, on our research. And they considered that it was uh, uh, an opportunity for them to have the vision from the outside for, uh, uh, by someone in the academy to l- help, uh, help them to uh, innovate in their work. So it was a very uh, important um, um, experience. But I found the difficulties in a few months there because um, some people, bosses and publishers, uh, didn't agree with some of the proposals Um, um, by, well, made by journalistic criteria. But they found we, we had to face their Mm, commercial vision of the things. So, some of the proposals uh, wouldn't be uh, carried out, in, uh, in finally, because of the money. It would be needed for that. Um, I realized the difficulty now in some of the sports, new and sports desks and newsrooms in Spain are they don't know how to cope with the with the well the, the this moment, this process of dispers, dispersation, you say, or fragmentation of the audience is becoming more and more important. The semi-professional or the amateur journalism is coming uh, from the social media platforms at the same time, or the um, sites uh, published by non-journalist uh, people. So this growing Um, other a number of actors that make more difficult even to think about how to cope with the um, the organization of the contents in sports journalism nowadays. From the innovation point of view it was difficult to let them uh, see that it could be useful to change ways of of doing. For instance, less clickbait content, uh, I mean uh, less Non-sports content you can find anywhere on any sports site now in Spain. Uh, not that um, that much of football. Try to incorporate more uh, women, female sports. It's uh, another problem we have: this lack of diversity in the news agenda. Um, trying to looking for the best or the most suitable format for each item. I mean, c- could be audio, could be video, could be I don't know, any social specific graphic content, but even so, it was difficult to convince them of the contrary. I mean, they prioritize the commercial vision of, of all the content they publish, especially on digital editions. And this is a problem we have.
0: Now, your other paper at this conference is t- titled Gamification of Sports Media Coverage, an infotainment approach to the Olympics and Football World Cups. What are you examining and arguing in that paper?
1: well and um, from my scholar side which is as you said before and uh, thank you for the mention uh, periodismo deportivo de calidad quality sports journalism i launched after my phd uh, dissertation in 2010 and um, so it's n- now nearly t- nine years so far of publicating well different uh, stuff about sports media so um, i observed and published a a report it's a every six month report on this site uh, of about new trends in sports journalism i realized that there was a new trend coming coming up in sports coverage and was gamification coming from the the games industry uh it was being applied and Tested in some sports coverage, especially in the mega events, one so it's Olympics and FIFA World Cups. Uh, from that observance, I tried to um, build a sample. It was a bit, bit difficult because it was a uh, um, no, 8 eight-year period to analyze. So I held myself. Uh, on, from my Twitter account, and I mm, got in contact with some colleagues and experts. Uh, I built a, created a panel of experts from different countries, uh, Washington Post, o Globo, Marca, Spanish Television, and also an academic scholars, to know their opinions and visions, their insights, on this uh, new narrative possibility as was, that is being explored in uh, sports coverage. That's why I I try to, well, mm, do this some research. The starting point is a sort of mapping and interpreting how uh, is being used this sort of uh, resource. It's, in a way, it's an evolution of uh, interactive infographics um, that incorporates some playful modes and playful, playful narratives probably to entertain and also to give some information about the mega events. So it's interesting thing that, uh, I mean, after the feedback I found in this conference, I am convinced now that we need to uh, do some further research on this topic because it's an interesting one and it could be, I don't know, um, um, uh, another point to give us some keys of the evolution of uh, probably interactive infographics in the future from now on.
0: Hmm. And you've also spent time at universities in Italy, France, the UK and Mexico. Yes. And how's that over time impacted the way you approach your work and the way then I suppose when you come back to Spain you look at Spain? So yeah, it's an interesting sort of thing that sort of travel.
1: Yeah, well, um, I th- well, mm, the... Um, Do we need to to do this this sort of uh, research stages for our curriculum, uh, our CV, in order to promote ourselves in (laughs) a scholar (laughs) future, you know, a scholar career? But uh, well, especially from Mexico. I mean, when I I I, well, I went to Mexico to do some um, um, uh, workshops for professional sports sports journalists in Mexico. I did some work for Televisa, for Claro Sports, some big Mexican uh, news organization, television channels, and they needed, they, they let me know that they needed some, you know, learn something new from the, the, the academy because their journalism is, uh, well, still a bit of still, um, I mean, out of contact, sometimes, of what we're doing in the academy. and um, But by contrast, I found that they're very well, um, very keen on technology, but they're probably their knowledge about the theory or the, I don't know, the analysis, the content analysis of some of the authors we have in Spain and even in Anglo-Saxon countries are not uh, that much. So it's a, it was a bit of contrast because I found they're very, very keen Technologically, but they need some uh, also mm, preparation and and help from uh, our side to to let them know what is going on now in in the sports media landscape. And they look at Spain as the you see the mother country. We are so like well, we have uh, we're very uh, say this uh, big bind, bind, no, double bind. Uh, academical and uh, uh, historical bind between them and us. And well I think that uh, it's very, very interesting thing to travel, to meet some colleagues, not only from the professional field but also from the scholar field, and ch- interchange experiences because you, you learn from all of them and uh, that uh, makes you improve all the time. So it's a very important thing.
0: Just listening to you, you've got a really interesting way of combining professional journalism with yes. what yes. you do in scholarship, and yes. that's, that's quite unusual.
1: So yes, it's difficult as well.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, what are the... You know, how, what, because
1: university doesn't help you to do that. The structures are so big, so slow, that it's difficult to combine those two things. And now I'm a full-time professor, but uh, till March, last March, I was a part-time one. I needed to do something outside of the university in order to keep my my position in, in the university. It's a bit crazy, but it's how it works here. So, uh, but uh, it was very helpful, I think, not only for for my lessons in the university to have the this uh, background, professional background, and and try to carry it to the, into the classroom, but on the other way around as well, I mean, the companies, the news companies, the news organizations, uh, uh, for which I have been collaborating with, uh, well, they um, found they found very interesting the scholar point of view. I think it could be helpful if the university uh, would ease us to do this, this more uh, properly, even from the research groups, or from any, I don't know, any project, we could, we could uh, work together with these uh, news, me- news media outlets, I think, could be um, ben- beneficial for both, I think. Mm. But it's not easy.
0: No, no, I, I work with a number of former journalists or still practicing journalists, and it's a challenge in Australia as well. It is, yeah, indeed, yeah. yeah, yeah. But if to teach it well, More. Requires yeah. a, a, a foundation in practice. So and yeah, the the institutions aren't always good at recognizing.
1: Even the pupils I think Brett, um, um, value value a lot if you are a professional with a, or, or a scholar with a professional background. I mean, it's, I think it's a interesting combination for them as well. Not only theoretical, which is important, not only theory, but also uh, try to. Um, Bring them some I don't know uh, experience you have had before in any uh, professional coverage or any I don't know situation in, in a news media outlet before. I think they value a lot when you can you try to even when you bring some colleagues to the classroom from the media, some professionals to chat with them and uh, um, give them some insight of. What's happening outside? I mean, you're going to find this in a few in a few years. So be ready for this. No, I think this is very important. uh, Inside and it.
0: Now, a question I conclude all my interviews with, which is, Mm. could you recommend a book that you believe in Spanish language or English that you believe listeners should read?
1: Well, now, um, the best thing uh, to be in the academy, or one of the best things is that uh, that makes you um, be updated all the time. It's difficult and uh, sometimes it's not easy to, 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 to get it, but uh, I'll try. I'll try and I'll try and, and I will try as well. And um, now, I've usually from, from time to time, I usually visit uh, Routledge and Sage and Palgrave, these big uh, publishing companies websites. And I found the other day uh, a very interesting textbook. It's forthcoming now. Uh, it's going to be published in rutledge uh, um, It's edited by two colleagues from the United Kingdom, Tom Pratichau and uh, Kilimino. No, Minog is, is no, uh, my is the, the surname. I don't, I don't remember the. The my is the surname. And we organized a couple of years ago in London. and and, and symposium on ethics and sports. And from that uh, project, they created another one, which is this book is coming and it's, uh, well, they let me know that it's uh, a chapter related to our uh, ethical code on sports journalism that Xavier and I um, presented that day in London, two years ago, so it's nice of them. And uh, in Spain, we published, it's a bit showing off, sorry for that. Uh, We published the most important textbook on sports journalism so far in Spain. Spain. Uh, It was published two years ago. It's called Periodismo Deportivo de Manual. It's like, uh, well, playing with the words, it's like a textbook on uh, sports journalism. And uh, probably there are all of the researchers now in Spain who are working on this field each of them uh, has a chapter in this book and then i recommend of course to to know that i'm sorry i haven't brought any copy for you <laughs> I, I promise i will send you one to australia <laughs> in a few in a few weeks oh,
0: thank you for joining or speaking to me with me for the media sport podcast yes, yeah. it's been actually been a genuine pleasure and i've really enjoyed visiting the group.
1: okay thank you very much and we keep in touch then